Magalhaes to Stokes, who's onside. Wagner. Here's Sims. It's a good serve this from Southampton. They could finish the job here. It's Shane Long, and he has done it. Just a minute to play. A stoppage time. Here's Letizia. Welcome to part two of the Saints FC podcast end of season review and of course the coveted Saints FC podcast awards. Let's just get straight into it. Um, Remember if you like what you're hearing on the Saints FC podcast please do give us a subscribe and give us a great review on iTunes. So, Tom, I'm going to read out a tweet which I received from uh, Mr. Webb. He's a teacher who lives in Southampton. Hi, Mr. Webb. He says, don't let eighth fool you. 12 points off relegation, yet 15 points off seventh. What do we think? And that is directed at the Saints FC podcast, which is us two. I think the leagues all, I mean I, it makes me laugh doesn't it the Premier League they say oh it's the best league in the world it's not it's pony it's all it's probably worse than Sp- I mean in terms of Spain you have just two absolutely dominant teams um, but we if you look where we are we were not only 15 um, points of Everton but we were 25 goals worse in terms mm. of a positive negative goal difference 25 goals um, I mean also we had a goal difference of minus 7 yeah I mean, but look at that Premier League. Look, everyone, like, it's so pronounced. Chelsea to Everton, positive goal differences. Everyone down there, apart from that, you know, down from us, minus seven, all the way down to Hull, minus 43. Um, There are some terrible teams in that league. Mm. And one of the most frustrating things about this season is there have been terrible teams in that league that we've not managed to get maximum points from. Yeah, And that's what... If Puel goes, he's going to go for two things. He's going to go because he plays turgid football. And I don't know how he plays turgid football, by the way, because I think he probably plays the most attacking lineup he can put out there. Yeah. So I don't know how they've contrived to do that. And <laughs> I kind of admire it in some ways, how you get a team with three forwards, two wing-backs who are essentially wing like yeah. wingers in all but name. Uh, and you make them play really boring well, football. Well, basically, the only defensive players you're playing in Puel's starting eleven are Stevens, Yoshida, and Romeo, and maybe David. I mean, Davis is, covers every blade yeah. of grass. I think you. But I mean, Dave, Davis, he, he's just yeah, out and out central midfielder, isn't yeah. he? You know, he's sometimes at the front, he's sometimes at the back. But yeah, you're right. You know, you look at that, you look at that team, and you would think. Oh, that's a really attacking lineup. It's going to be really that. exciting. I, that's that's the weird thing. That's the yeah. weirdest thing about Saints is how have they contrived? Like you look at like you know we get so the wingers like um, Suarez and Bertrand, probably two of the best. Probably mm. apart from Spurs and Chelsea's fullbacks, we've probably got the two best yeah. left back, best left back, and best right back. Even Pierre, yeah, last couple of games, Pierre looks amazing. Well, I, t- I tell you what, Pierre coming on. Okay, so yeah, yeah fair play start. to the guy. But if you're going to be throwing the dice in the last, what was it, 15 minutes in, 20 yeah. minutes from the end, throw on another striker, please. Yeah, it was weird. I don't know what the idea was for bringing on Pied. Yeah. Um, I really don't. But again, maybe it's just this idea of I've got a way I want to play. Yeah. This is how I'm going to play. Um, but sadly, I, I think that's going to be the end of Sure, yeah, I do. It's it's been difficult. I I feel like so. Let's say if if you'd gone into a job and you're like you know on your job description it said you know do decently in the Premier League you know do decently in one of the cups you know make a decent showing of yourself in Europe. He's 
done all of the things in his job description, like the the essential criteria of being the Saints manager. I think the Europe thing's gone against him. Yeah, I really do. I think um, I, I I agree with you. You know, we didn't go out um, early. You know, we took yeah. it to the wire. But it's the manner. Yeah, you know, it's it is it is entertainment at the end of the day, and. And, uh, and and that is the biggest problem, isn't it, with this season under Puel, is that, okay, so we beat Inter Milan, but it wasn't an entertaining game. No, it was it was like a heart in the mouth. Yeah. Oh my God, thank God we did that. Yeah. Rather than a, this was brilliant. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. Um, Say, so, you know, we're, we're, we've been a bit down on things. I think, well, I'm kind of of the opinion, like, I'm not going to be devastated if he gets another season, but I've got to be honest, like I'm not going to be, you know, I was pretty upset when Kuman left. I was pretty upset when Pochettino left. This is because you're becoming desensitised. I was pretty upset when Nigel Atkins left. Oh, that was the worst. Yeah. That was um, the worst because you thought we, I, I don't know about, sorry to digress to Atkins, yeah. but with that, I always thought we were better than that. I didn't think we were like that. I thought maybe I'm a bit romantic. I thought we weren't like that, and then we got rid of Atkins. All well, right, it worked out well. And yeah, I mean, it, it worked out. And I think that is probably, I'd say, looking back to how we dealt with Nigel Atkins, would suggest that Puel has not got much chance of staying, because I don't think to our board that okay, yeah, so you got eighth in the table, but we know that eighth in the table is. I think, you know, it was on the Guardian Football podcast, which I listened to um, earlier this week. They're saying how there's three tables in the Premier League. They said there's the top six. That's the good sides. There's Everton in their own <laughs> mini league table of themselves. I fancy seventh. Everton in that league, yeah. though, to be honest. I, fa- I fancy them. I think they'll do well. Yeah. And then, and then there's the rest, which are the poor sides. And this is another thing. So uh, one of our previous guests, uh, Mitchell Letizia, said... Are we, you know, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he basically said, you know, the the reason that we finished eighth is because there's 12 poor sides in the Premier League. Mm. Um, my argument is, is perhaps there's 13 poor sides in the Premier yeah. League. And we have to accept that having had four seasons of being good, I think this season's felt pretty average. And I'd say the, the points tally of 46, you know, to get eighth... Having only got forty six points, forty six points is a relegation battle, isn't what, it? I'm looking at the table in now. Normal circumstances, Watford finished seventeenth on forty. Yeah, and I, if we were talking, we obviously went through the games earlier. If you look at like that little purple patch we had, if we'd have not had that, you know, we're looking at the Palace win. Um, you're looking at the West Brom win. Um, win away at Watford. If we, I know it's a bigger ifs and maybes, but you know we're not. We weren't that far away from it. And certainly at one point, we looked like a team that could get dragged into it because we couldn't score goals. And yeah, I, I think they've really... The performances have been poor. But one thing I would say in Puel's defence, I think a, a lot of Saints fans need to get a bit of a grip about how big this club is and, and where where they believe we sit in the pantheon of English football. Chelsea, Tottenham, Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Man United. They have resources, the likes of which that Southampton could only ever dream of. Everton now are in that club. They're not quite spending like it yet, but by all accounts, they have that much money. Yeah. Like, we've probably finished the best place that you could have hoped we would finish, um, which is eighth. You know, yeah. like realistically, like, where else do you think? They're not, were they ever going to dislodge one of the top six? No. no. They weren't. I, I mean, I think at the start of the season, you, a lot of Saints fans were hopeful that we would finish above Everton. But that's, if if, if Koeman had left and he'd have gone to manage Valencia again yeah. or he'd have gone uh, to Germany to manage Borussia Mönchengladbach, yeah. would Saints have, given two hoots about finishing by Everton no no no, not not at all but I would say that you know out of the you've got the top six and I think Saints want to be competing in the next level you want to be 
there or thereabouts. You want to be beating the Man Uniteds occasionally, the Chelsea's occasionally, giving Liverpool a good game. You know, okay, Liverpool taking six points off Hull, taking six points off, uh, you know, Sunderland. off Stun- Sunderland. Like just going to yeah. these clubs and just steamrolling. I'm not yeah. relying on a Jay Rodriguez deflected. Yeah, uh, goal to to salvage a one-all draw against a terrible Sunderland team, who their own manager is predicting to go down. Yeah, like it, it's the manner, it, it, it's the hope that kills you. We've said it before, and it's it's the truest saying. And they just looked flat, and I I don't understand it. Like, surely they have a job that we would all kill for. Surely they have like the dream. You know, why are they not buzzing? Why are they not going out there every week? and kicking ass and taking names. It's just absolutely beyond me. Why do they look so lethargic? Mm. They're the highly paid, well-cosseted, well-looked-after athletes in the history of sport, Premier League footballers. Um, why are they not more engaged? And I wonder if that's because they weren't really playing for the manager. Yeah. I mean, it, it could well be. I, I think probably... Jose Font leaving, I think, was you know quite a key, key kind of moment in the season that showed that there is some level of kind of disquiet, you know, within the dressing room. I mean, the players don't necessarily look like they don't like the guy, but um, they don't seem to be really going for it. Yeah, but should we talk about some positives? Yeah, so I mean, I got asked by uh, Ugly Inside who. You'll probably know as you know Saints' the, longest the running fanzine. The fanzine for I mean, you don't really think of anything else other, no. yeah, other than the ugly Always side when been. it comes to to fanzines. When it comes to Southampton, um, so they asked me to put some questions to them for their end of season review, and uh, I think you'll be able to kind of watch that on YouTube if you want to. You know, head to Ugly Inside, Google them, you'll be able to find it. Um, one of the questions I asked them was, "What has been your most exciting moment of the season?" Yeah, we have like we've talked a lot about dull stuff. Let's talk about something really exciting yeah, now. Let's be positive. I th- we spoke about it earlier at Liverpool. Yeah, it has to be. It, and what was most exciting about it? There was, there was loads. It was really exciting. First thing, like if you look at it in stages, Josh Sims just picking up that ball and going, "I'm well, a Liverpool corner." Yeah, yeah, like starting from a Liverpool corner, and then Josh Sims just going, "I'm going." There's yeah. some, there's Park over there, and I'm running I'm into running it, running straight into it, and. If you want to foul me, you can foul me, but I am going. Yeah. And I've loved... But also there was someone else with him as well. I mean, there's been times this season when like we just have one guy yeah. and one guy only up there. And then there were times at Stoke when we had every single player in the box defending their corners. Leave someone up there. Leave yeah. two people up there. Leave the team stretched. Then you've got something to go for. But that was a moment when we really got it right and oh, it was yeah. beautiful. It was Shane Long. Yeah. You know, who is as fast probably as Sims. And uh, it was a brilliant moment. It was this this time when, you know, like, the, the effervescence of youth, the yeah. the innocence, the, the age of innocence where you just go run. And yeah. Try and st- like Wayne Rooney, you know, he scored that goal against Arsenal at 16. I'm just going to run. I'm just going to do this and you can try and stop me. And that for me, the, the finish for Long was brilliant. The the celebration in front of the Saints fans was amazing. Claude Puel, uh, Sticking one in the eye as well to Klopp, who yeah. does his stupid histrionics on the touchline <laughs> every single time. Uh, you know, and Kuman did the same to yeah. Klopp, and I'm really glad that, that Puel was I, able I, to do I, it as well. Do you think that's part of the Saints manager job description? It's just like, whatever you do, try and wind up Jurgen Klopp. He's just such a... There's a lot a, of melodrama there, isn't there? He's just a dick, isn't he? <laughs> And I, I think like that was great, and 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 they, there was a brilliant moment. I think if you watch it, the, the celebrations from behind. I think like Romeo jumps on top of the player of the players that are on the floor, and he sort of turns around, and does this crazy look of like, oh my god, we actually done it. Uh, oh, it's a brilliant moment. What 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 would you say? I don't. And you can't you know, pick the same one, so you got to choose another one now. Well, it it has to be that, but ah, oh, you know what? What else do you choose at that point? I think. Maybe if if we're talking about a very, very split second moment before the game turned, it was when Gabbiadini scored that goal yeah. against West Ham and just being like, wow, we've got someone who... I'd heard good things about Gabbiadini. Um, and you knew they wanted him before. Saying, yeah, they, you they'd knew wanted him. Yeah. And um, yeah, just to see that, that, that was pretty good. I mean, it was nothing on the, the Shane Long goal in, in the yeah. semi-final. I mean, that was what a moment. So um, I've got a pretty good idea who I think you might choose for this one. 
but maybe my choice will be different. Who's been your Academy Star of the Year? He's a little... Well, the heart wants to say Sims. Yeah. But realistically, the guy's... He's done all that could be asked of him. He was asked to make an impact in two games and he did it. I think the player that we were all so worried about, who has just stepped up, has been Stevens. Like, he just looks like he has been doing this. Premier League, like, he's getting no plaudits, no credit. Yeah. Um, he just looks class. And I I, I don't know what happened. Well, obviously, when Van Dyke comes back, if Van, if Van Dyke will start. But I don't know if it's a shoo-in for Yoshida to start next to him. I, I think Stevens has been brilliant um, at a time when we were all terrified. Yeah. Because all we knew about Stevens was this was the bloke we bought from Plymouth who is like who is still in the reserves and under 21 despite being about 36 years old. Um, yeah. Uh, he's just been fantastic. He, um, so I, I'm going to propose something here because I, I've had this little idea in the back of my head that um, we should have like some Saints FC podcast annual awards and at the end of each season we'll give them out. And I was going to say, you know, who's been your academy star of the season? Who would you go with? I was thinking that you were going to go with Sims. Yeah, because I get very excited, but it's yeah. easy to get excited about Sims because he's a winger. I was going to go with Stevens. I'm glad we're in agreement. So I think our first award of the evening goes to... Jack Stevens, well done. Well lad. done, Jack Stevens, Academy Star of the Year. If you're listening, get in touch. Yeah, um, yeah, I think he's been absolutely fantastic, and it is that point when everyone was really, you know, basically, really, really worried. I think bricking it is not a not an excessive term no. to use because um, he was unknown quantity. Yeah, he, he was unknown quantity, but he actually came into the side, and I think he's done really well, and. The thing that I think he has, which I've not heard many people mention, is he looks like he could develop into the sort of kind of ball-playing centre-back of the kind of Van Dyke ilk. He, when he comes out from defence, he looks confident on the ball. He passes the ball well. So against he, Arsenal, we saw him do something where he turned like Sandy or somebody did something. Yeah. He just glided out of defence. Uh, yeah, if it'd been like some Italian or some French dude, everyone would be like going mad. Yeah, purring Jacques, over that. Jacques Stevens. Um Yeah, so, you know, I think he, he kind of definitely deserves that. Um, which Saints player would you like to see more of next season? So this is where I'm going to go back now and I'm going to yeah. say Sims. Which, and I'm, I'm going to say Sims because he... I think he's unplayable. Um, I'm going to say Sims, and I, I think one of the... I feel sorry for Sims because I think if um, if Bufal... You know, Bufal seems to have been the go-to player to change a game. You know, if... If if um, if, if you know, Puel has needed someone to come on and change a game. Oh, yeah, bring on Bufal. Um, Bufal... Uh, could probably have his own podcast in terms of what people think about him but like I think Sims is the player that genuinely looks like he can turn games and make chances and not fall over and not be histrionic and not kick you know there was a there was a moment against Man United where we broke away and we were in a really good position and the referee called the game back and I had no idea why he'd yeah. called the game back and he called the game back because Bufal had fouled some Man United defender off the ball and it's like why have you done that there's no point to you doing that, but it just kind of summed up Bufal. So, yeah, Sims looks great, and he looks young. He, he's young. He's hungry. He's a local. Let him have. Yeah, um, I absolutely want to see more of Josh Sims, but I've also got to say, I want to see some more of Bufal. I want to see Bufal doing well. You know, the guy is clearly talented, but it's. I mean, and this is one of those those things where I just I've probably been more frustrated than most Saints fans at Buffalo and I think pretty early on when everyone was going oh yeah I want to see more of him you know he's really really talented and people getting excited about his dribbling skills I was getting incredibly frustrated at his lack of nous when it came to kind of like operating within a Premier League game he's like a FIFA footballer yeah it's like he's only ever seen actual football played on FIFA well, he's only ever seen football play on FIFA and then they stick him out and they go, go on then, you play, you know what you've seen on FIFA, yeah. do that. And it drives me mad. Yeah. Like, I, I know he's got loads of talent. I know he's got, like, you know, he can do all the keepy-uppies and he can do all this stuff. But 
it's, football is about results, isn't yeah. it? It's about end results. It's about assists and goals. But I mean, say so the thing with Buffal is he he does seem to have a little bit of a nasty streak to him. Yeah, I, which, but, which, which but not in a good way. Yeah, but he seems to come out fast. Maybe we can channel this nasty streak into some sort of guile and fight and athleticism. But also, we've got to take away some of the selfishness. So it's good to have confidence. But he needs to look up. Whenever he gets the ball, his, his head is down at his feet. He's never looking for the pass or, or the ball. I do. I think that there's been a lot of games this season where um, Buffal has been thrown on because of the nature of how the season has been. You know, there's been a lot of games we've been losing 1-0 where they've chucked Buffal on. Um, and he just seems to just drive people mad. Mm. Like He seems to be like a sort of thing that's been put on earth to drive Saints fans absolutely apoplectic with rage when he seems to do a thing where he would beat like two or three players and then he goes oh you know what I really enjoyed that yeah I'm going to do it again and he mm. doesn't and uh, rather than just do the simple thing and great players a lot of the time in my opinion do the simple thing yeah and and I think Bifar needs to learn that but he's obviously a hell of a talent they don't pay that much money you hope they don't pay that much money for someone without knowing what they're doing and he deserves another season Okay, so I'm going to take you back in time, and I've mentioned this season a few times because I think there's a lot of comparisons we can draw. 2002-2003, eighth in the Premier League, cup final that we lost to Arsenal. Which season was better, this season or that season? It's difficult because A, the, um, the ubiquitousness of the Premier League now is not what it was then, I don't think, over social media and Twitter and all these other things. So I think it, you feel that like, um, uh, everything is, is, um, yeah, you know, is, is so much bigger now. Mm. Um, and the way they present it and package it up. I think this season is better. And the reason why I say, I think this season is better is, is a couple of things. First off, we finished eighth last time. We never looked like a team that could ever trouble the top six anyway. Yeah. Uh, this season we didn't, but we know we've got players who can, so that it doesn't really bother me, and I think the manner in which we lost at Wembley, I think we took we took the game to Man United. We deserved to win. We would have won. I do believe we would have won if that first goal had been allowed. Yeah. Um, so I would say this season, I've, yeah, it's been a, it's been such a weird season. What I mean, what do you think? You were you were at Wembley for was, both those games. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was at Wembley. This season, obviously, the one before was in the Cardiff uh, Millennium Stadium, wasn't it? Yep. Um, I don't know. I, I think I feel like that in the 2002-2003 season under Gordon Strachan, the team achieved as much as could be asked of it. He's, he squeezed every single yeah. bit of success out of those those guys. Um we have Brett Ormerod, who did fantastically well for us, was a great foil for James Beattie, who was a genuinely top quality, typical kind of English centre forward. And Brett has been on the podcast as one of yeah. the nicest, most down-to-earth people ever. Yeah, Big fan of the podcast, Brett Ormerod. Um, and then, but also, I, I guess the midfielders of that Saints side really excited me, so... There's people like Anders Svensson who was maybe a bit more frustrating in the terms of like you knew he had buckets of talent but like some didn't always show up. Yep. But then there were people like Fabrice Fernandez, who yeah. I just really enjoyed the fact that we're playing this left footed guy on the right wing. He just cut and inside it, every he time. He just cut inside yeah. every time, swing the ball in, beat it, bang it in. And then you'd have Chris Marsden who Came looked from like this, you know, football player from another era. And was just so run of the mill in the way he looked and kind of conducted himself, but just I, I can't remember. I think he scored this wonder goal against Tranmere Rovers, um, in you know, when we thrashed them at St Mary's yeah, in the did, League yeah. Cup, and just like those kind of like jinking runs through um, crowds of players, we were just we're just brilliant. They were just so enjoyable, and that I think really was the you know. Whereas I think you look at this Saints side and you think. Well, you know that they can achieve so much more. Yeah, I yeah. think that's the, the... the Maybe it is just the glamour of them being foreign or having better haircuts or yeah. being better looking or probably, you know, having cooler cars. I don't know what it is. But you just feel this should be better. 
Yeah. You just feel like, you know, like players like Tadic, you're like, well, hang on a minute, why are you not yeah. doing this like you do for, for oh, I don't know, drives me mad. So, um, I think 2002-2003 is better, you think this season's better. Um, so, uh, we were just going through some of the old uh, questions that we've been to the, um, the ugly inside. What's been the best away day of the season? I think, I, I think I'm going to let you cover this one, because I think you probably had this best experience. Yeah, it would have to be San Siro. Uh, it just it, well, I think you could argue San Siro. Well, San Siro and Wembley, but San Siro was special because it felt like you just never know if we're ever going to be back there. Yeah, you know, you know, you talk to your kids about it, your kids' kids, and are we ever going to go back to the San Siro? I was, I was lucky to be there. Um, yeah, of obvious one. Um, so anyway, I. Let's get on to the Saints FC podcast awards. So we, we've given one ones. already. We've had Academy Player of the Season, Player of the Season. Let's, I, I'm going to go with that because it, it's an important award when you're talking about the real Saints, you know, club awards. But perhaps you know we've got some other more interesting awards to give out a little bit later on. So we, we can the, be more edgy yeah, than the club can. Exactly. Let's let's tick off some of the obvious. Ones. We've had more wine. Indeed. So, Player of the Season, Tom. It has to be the Catalan giant. It has to be Oriol Romeo. Oriol Romeo. He's amazing. He's a force of nature. He's he's the player that... I mean, I, I think we're amazed, to be honest, if we can keep him. He's the player that Wanyama... So Wanyama was always like a really good, like, big lump and break up balls. And then you'd be like, okay, now, Victor, play the ball four yards to your right to Cedric Suarez. And he would just hoof it out. Yeah. Um, but Wanyama, uh, but with Romero's just got this sort of like I've got the ball. I'm now just gonna, I'm just gonna make the pass. And actually, Wanyama started to do that the last few weeks. But Romero's just an animal, and, and you know, God knows where we'd be without him. Yeah. An incredibly bit of uh, astute transfer business from Saints. I love him. He he's been great. Ryan Bertrand has been one of my favourites. Um, I just think he's been so consistent. He never puts in less than a you know seven out of ten. Um, most of his performances are eight out of ten. Him and um, Redmond down the left hand side. Yep, it's been electric. They they've for a lot of our games looked like our only hope of actually creating anything. Um, I, you know, I really, really, really like Ryan Bertrand, but I think your case for Romeo is stronger. Well, I think with Bert- Bertrand's a really important player for Saints because yeah. he kind of is a... He's obviously a left-back, but he's actually kind of a wing. He's almost as much of an attacking threat as he is a source of defensive mm. stability. Um, and he's been brilliant. But I, I, I just think when you look at players who have made an impact, uh, Romeo is is just so far ahead. So there we go. Oriel Romeo, congratulations. Well done, Oriel. Uh, prize is in the post. Our player of the season. What What is the prize for being player of the season from the Saints FC podcast? Uh, a heartwarming tweet. A heartwarming tweet. <laughs> Coming your way. This is more than I've won, so well done. <laughs> uh, most improved player of the season. Um, there's two for me, although I will pick one. Uh, Suarez. Yeah. It's been brilliant, I think. Uh He's really kicked on since winning the uh, European Championship, um, uh, and then I, I think, but it has to be again one of the players that we were scared about that you kind of didn't well, want to see. That on the we've pitch. been scared about for probably what? How long has Two he or been? Three at years. It's, it's, it's Maya. Maya yeah. Gita. It's just like he stood up. You know, he is he has taken responsibility. Let's talk about him getting a new contract. I think he's worth a new contract. Uh, he, he is he in a time where like many many people could have lost their heads. Yeah, many Saints fans, me included. When you looked at uh, no Fonte and no no Van Dyke, and no Van Dyke, and in a team not playing particularly well anyway, Yoshida has just stepped up and is a just a, a real class act as well. Um, absolutely no doubt. He is for me the the most improved Saints player of the season, and uh Although I do kind of wonder with all this like most improved player of the season and he won the President's Award in the uh, in the Saints kind of like end of season awards. Are we being a little bit patronising? Has he always been this good? No, he hasn't, has he? He used to just make horrendous mistakes all the time. 
I don't think he has always been that good. I mean, no. he he had mistakes in him. I think yeah. if you plotted uh, players who made mistakes that led to uh, opposition players getting a chance or opposition players scoring a goal. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was the Josh Hoivold of his, his time. Yeah. Um, but you have to give credit where credit's due. Like, he... And also, he just seems to be a really nice guy, doesn't he? He does. He, he comes across really, really well. And I realise that I must have basically been pretty mean to him in the past, in whether it's in tweets or in conversation with other people, because speaking to friends of mine that don't support Southampton, and I was talking about my Ashida, and they're like, oh yeah, John, your favourite player, and ha 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 you always get really frustrated with him. And then like I've had to kind of turn around and be like, you know what? I was wrong. Yeah. Like, he has been such a frustrating player in the past when his concentration would go. Yeah. But uh, I think, you know, with the responsibility that he has, being the senior defender, he's really stepped up. He has taken on responsibility. And he's, he's, in the, he's a leader. And I just never thought at the start of the season, you could say that Mai Yoshida is the leader of the Saints' central defence. Yeah. Uh, we, I think a lot of Saints fans have a lot to be negative about this season. I think there are positives you can take from the season. I think two of the people we've just spoken about, Stevens and Yoshida, yeah. are two of those big, big positives. And uh, I think they deserve a lot of credit. And I think if the season was to go on another 10 or 12 games... I don't think it's melodramatic to say that Stevens would probably be linked with the England call-up. Yeah. Goal of the season. Redmond against Watford. Yes, it was definitely yeah. Watford, not Norwich. No, it was brilliant. Because there's the initial moment where he gets the ball on about the halfway line. So, how? which Redmond goal against Watford are you talking about? It's the one... So, he gets the ball on the halfway line. He ghosts in between two quite lethargic-looking... Uh, Watford midfield players he passes the ball not particularly well to he fizzes it into the feet of Ward Prowse who then does an amazing who traps it really well and sort of spins and controls it in one movement and then he lays the ball off to Tadic and Tadic obviously at this moment you think he's going to put on his left and blast it over uh, or do something horrific with it um, and instead, Tadic just sort of toys with it, looks one way, passes back to Redmond, who has carried yeah. on this, his trajectory like a bullet from the halfway line, who sweeps it from like the edge of the like it's not the edge of the box; it's quite further out, almost towards like the the right angle of the penalty area, past the Wobble goalkeeper. It was brilliant. It was total football. I mean that that is one of the goals that I really, really seriously enjoyed. Um, I wonder though if goal of the season belongs elsewhere. What's and, what's your alternative? And I'm going to put two to you for us to consider. One, the Shane Long one. Oh, it's great at Anfield. And um, the other one was the Gabbiadini turning all of the Manchester United defence in this sweet little just swivel. And just dinking it in mm. at Wembley. Well, there's two schools of thought now on great goals. Yeah. There is one is a great goal is a great goal because it's a great goal. So if it's a volley from 45 yards, it's a great goal. The other school of thought, which is the I kind of do subscribe to generally, which is the grown-up way of looking at great goals. A great goals players score great goals when it matters. Yeah. So the probably the best goal ever in that case is the Dan's goal in the European Cup final in Glasgow, I think it was, against um, the German team, Bayer Leverkusen, where the ball gets hit thousands of feet into the air and it comes down as Zidane spins and he hits it on the volley and it goes in the top corner because that's the European Cup final. So yeah. you do the great players do the great goals when it matters. So there's a very strong one for Gabby Dino. He's just been doing it when it matters and by God it mattered. But in that case... Didn't the Shane Long goal matter more? Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, I think you're right. I mean who who can split the two? The Shane Long the Shane Long goal was great because of the unadulterated joy. Yeah. Because also 
with the Gabbiadini guy, I guess if we're gonna, you know, if we're gonna look at it like really forensically, uh, we knew we could still lose that game. Yeah, yeah, you knew the goal bought us time. Yeah, it bought us an opportunity to win. It didn't win the game. Whereas the Shane Long goal uh, won the game. Oh, it was such an exciting game. And such a great goal. I think just for the fact that the Shane Long goal is the only one that's made it into our opening music commentary sequence. I'm willing to concede on it. I'm not dying a ditch on this. I, I'm giving it to Shane Long. Go for it. Congratulations, Shane Long. You've won our goal of the season. Stoppage time. Milner's corner. Dealt with by Oriol Romeo. Here's Sims. It's a good serve, this from Southampton. They could finish the job here. It's Shane Long, and he has done it! The Saints are marching into Wembley. Claude Puel is leading them to an historic first appearance in the final of this competition in 38 years. They have clinched it in stoppage time through the substitute, Shane Long. Well, what a dramatic match defined in 60 seconds. We've just seen a penalty appeal at one end. Southampton break, and they do what Liverpool have not been able to do over the course of two legs, and that is to take their chances. Shane Long, an old head at a vital, vital moment in the history of his football club. Comes good to deliver the killer blow. Um, right, so the next one is villain of the season. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, do you want to go first on this one? Because I've gone first on the others. I, I know who mine is, though. Absolutely okay. resolute in my head who it is. I mean, mine would just be the linesman. It's a good one. It's a good shout. It's a very good shout. And how different, you know, we, we'll speak about, we'll speak about Powell's future and what's going to happen to court and, and everything. Um, but you go, you got to feel for these guys, don't you? Because yeah. their, their careers are defined by moments that are really out of their control. Um, you know, in the same way that, Puel's uh, career is defined completely by you know well the time of Saints right now is defined probably by misfiring strikers yeah. and midfield players he can't hit cows after the banjo um, you know is his time in England going to be defined by a guy that I can't remember the name of yeah I think there's a very good chance it will Stuart Burt oh, I knew you were going to have it to hand <laughs> captain preparation um and I suppose what's interesting there is that I've put in EFL Cup final into Google and the linesman name is there. It's yeah. one of the headlines in the newspapers. Well done, Stuart. You're famous. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest, poor guy. I mean, nobody wants to win villain of the year. If I was, have I made mistakes in my career at any point in my life? No. No, actually, you're probably, <laughs> you're probably right. I've I've been pretty much perfect. Have you, have you made mistakes that broke the hearts of tens of thousands of men, women, and children? Don't answer that, maybe. No, I don't. I don't think so. I think, I think uh, with that particular linesman, I've said it before. It's not a particularly popular view, but I think he's playing in a game with the rules seems to be all over the place. Yeah, and I think if he just had a clear thing, I don't know why they just don't make the rule. If you pass it through. And someone who's near the ball when you pass it through is in, is you know in front of the defender. Then everyone's offside. Instead, they did this ridiculous thing about influencing the game. And Jack Butland spoke about it the other day. I think when one of the Liverpool players like took a swing at the ball in front of him because he didn't touch it, they were like, "Well, he's not really influencing the game." It's like, well, I think it was Jack. It was yeah. Madness. So I I feel sorry. I I don't like the guy, but I feel sorry for him. Yeah. Okay. So who's your villain then, Tom? Jamie Vardy. Oh. Yes, absolutely. I was, you don't even need to explain that to me, but because it was so unnecessary, it was it was cruel, yeah, and unnecessary. Uh, so for me, it's Jamie Vardy every time. It just it was such a horrible scumbag thing to do. Um, Jamie Vardy, the man who survives on a diet of crisps and cider, I've heard. Yeah, oh, I don't know. I, I, I admire Jamie Vardy for many, many things. Um, 
he's an inspiration to anyone with limited uh, talent who works hard. You know, there's no mm. doubt about that. But like, it was the, it was the cruelty of that. And and to Rob, you know, we lost Van Dyke. Another reason for Puel, we lost Van Dyke in January for Christ's sakes. Yeah, like if there's you know, I, yeah. Jamie Vardy, congratulations! You're yeah, well FC podcast villain of the season. You won't sleep, Stuart Burt. You won't sleep at night, weird James. Yeah. Um, so from villain of the season, who's our hero of the season? Oh, that's that's a tough one. I mean, we can't have Romeo because he's the player. No. Um, you can't really have Yoshida now. You can't they... have Yoshida. Um. I'm gonna be. Uh, oh, I, I, I think the fa- this sounds silly, but the fans are amazing. The fans, and I think the fans are are amazing. And we we I think we might come to it anyway. But are we, we gonna spoke, talk? Uh, which which fans are we talking about now? So we spoke about this a minute ago when we were having a commercial break. Yeah. Middlesbrough away. Yeah, a dead rubber game, worth nothing at all. And Saints still send about two thousand fans mm. to the other end of the country. Uh, two weeks away from payday. That's phenomenal. You know, like, if you're a Saints fan and you've done that journey by coach, by train, by car, and you spent all that money, you spent all that time, I have nothing but respect. Yeah. So that, that for me, that's the heroes. Because those, they're on 40, 50, I mean, 40, well, I say 40 grand a week. Like, 40 grand a week is probably, like, the the guy who earns the least for Saints. Mm-hmm. Maybe apart from Steven, you know, is on. So, an amazing thing to do. I've got, I've got unlimited respect for people who do that. So, how, I mean, this is going to be hard for me to get a, a counter argument. I think for hero of the season, I would have probably have gone for Yoshida. I think for kind of stepping up, being being that guy who, um, you know, he came in. Um, I don't know. I think I'm willing to. I'm willing to give it. But is it specifically the fans that that went to Middlesbrough, that went to the Riverside, or are there? You know, away at Liverpool. Well, Liverpool League Cup is big, isn't it? But but you know that's that's an exciting enough game that that you might want to go to. Um, I'm I'm willing to give it. I'm, I'm going to say those Saints FC fans, the Southampton fans that travelled up to the Riverside Stadium. You are our hero of the year. Congratulations. Wonder, yeah, no, but I just think it says something about the paucity of heroic characters that you know, I can't think of it. I can't think of anyone else. Yeah. There's a, there's not really a legitimate hero, is there, necessarily? I mean, I, I think if Van Dyke had kind of lasted the whole season... Yeah. His 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 performance against um, Inter Milan was pretty heroic. That was maybe yeah, the most heroic moment of the season. It was it was it was similar to um, I always talk about this game. It was many years ago, like two thousand and one or two thousand two. David Beckham against Greece, mm. a European Championship qualifier, where I think England played garbage, and Beckham just went, "Actually, you know what? I want to go to this tournament, and if none of you lot do, I'm just going to do it by myself." Yeah, and scored that free kick. Um, Van Dyke thing is similar. Yeah, like looking around and going, "Well, if you guys don't want this, well, I'm I'm just going to do it anyway. I just have to do it for you." Okay, chant of the season. <laughs> um, there was uh, what was it we had when we had um, Stephen Davis, and then there was another David. Oh, Kelvin. No, that was that was right. The season before last, that was a. a Burnley where yeah. Stephen Stephen Kelvin Kelvin was was amazing um, I don't know really I, be, I always sit in the north because I always think it's the best place to be yeah. um, I'll leave you for this one you're the you're the expert well I mean I enjoyed a couple of chants in the northern um, at the end of the season I went through the kind of like typical we, we did like lots of the old songs but actually the best chant this season Starts off with the line, Les Reed went to Europe yes, good to buy a Lamborghini. He came back with a striker and his name is Gabbiadini. Hopefully you all know how the rest of the song goes. Well, I'll try and find a little clip of uh, of that chant 
and uh, I'll slip it into the podcast now, but whoever came up with Les Reed, Re- Les Reed went to Europe to buy a Lamborghini. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty special. Yeah, you, You've won that, that award, so you know, good on you. Best Congrats chance of the you. season. Um, so, the next uh, award is a very, very important one in being a Saints fan. And this is the official name of the award. Most predictable, bleeding, obvious, inevitable Saints thing to happen this season. For me, I, I've mentioned it already. It's the Tadic penalty against Hull. It was, by this time in the season, you just knew. Yeah. You knew what was going to happen. Um and 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 lo and behold uh it was so obvious it was a a moment of like pure he didn't look like he put it you know like he didn't did he yeah he didn't look like he wanted it um but you, you know you look back to the start of the season and he and charlie austin are fighting over a penalty yeah and you think whoever gets that they're, they're gonna put it in because you know once you've kicked up such a fuss but you're not really allowed to miss it though are you? how can the guy be able to like Pick a pass from like seventy yards, and not be able to pick out and one of the corners of the goal from twelve. Yeah, it makes no sense. But for me, it was like, you know, there will be many moments that cost if Puel goes that cost him his job. Yeah, um, but that's definitely one of them. I mean, in a way, my nomination for this award would be the forty to one bet that I won yesterday. Yeah, I would agree with that. But actually. I think there's only there's got to be one true winner for this award, and that's Patrick Bamford. Yeah, Could we it? spoke about it, didn't we? Yeah, we spoke. I swear to God, we spoke and we said Patrick Bamford will score because Saints are the team that if you've never scored before, we'll give you that goal. Like so, a charity team sometimes. Patrick Bamford, well done. You have won the official Saints FC podcast, most predictable, bleeding obvious, inevitable Saints thing to happen this season. Congratulations, Patrick. Uh, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure you're very happy. It's probably the, the only thing you win this season, so well done. Um, and so, as a Saints fan, we know that the summer is a pretty awful time. Yeah. The transfer window opens. We get ruined. We get drained yeah. of our talent. Um, I was going to say, like, the player most likely to leave award, or maybe we should just do the player or manager most likely to leave award, because I think, you know, we've also had Pochettino and Kuman leave us for pastures uh, that mm. they believe to be fresher and greener than those of St. Mary's. One's been right, one's been half right. Yeah. Um, well, I think there's two ways of looking at it. There's a players that are going to leave that you don't care Kiko Martina, thanks for the goal against Arsenal. It's been wonderful. Oh. Um, you've, I actually don't think you're actually that bad a footballer, but I don't think we'll ever see you play again. I mean, he's not bad a football player, maybe for like League One. Yeah, I don't, yeah, or a Championship or, or yeah. a newly promoted team, but he doesn't seem to be the. Also, we play with bombing. Yeah, you know, we play bombing fullbacks, don't we? He's not that. So thanks, Kiko. It's been great, brilliant name. You'll be a pub quiz answer forever. Yeah. Um, Players I, you don't want to see go, but you just can't see them possibly staying. I hate to say it, I just can't see J-Rod. Virgil van Dijk. Virgil van Dijk. I just can't see it. I, you don't the think only, he's going to be here at the start of the season? I think the only way he'll be here at the start of the season, is it depends how tactically astute his management team are and whether they do the classic sort of Dejan Lovren, let's just get him out now, get as much money you know, as mm. possible and get him to like a Liverpool or they 
play the long game and they get a Chelsea. Yeah, or they can get Chelsea or yeah. they can get, I don't think even Man United, I think he's better than Man United. I, you know, I, I think he play the long game. Um, I think they'll be gutted he's not in Europe because if Europe's a shot window. But, you know, I just can't see it. But what the, on the positive side of that, it's going to cost a hell of a lot of money. Yeah, I think it'll be the world's most expensive defender. I I think anything less than the world's most expensive defender yeah. would would be a price that um, you know wouldn't wouldn't be fitting for Virgil fans. Like, but you what know about what? okay? What about this? What about if Chelsea came in? Yeah, and Chelsea offered you thirty million pounds plus Nathan Ake. You played very well for Bournemouth. Or this Christiansen guy they've got on loan in some like Hamburg or someone. No, that's very good. No, I think straight up. Give us the cash. Yeah, give us the cash. Fifty million quid after all the agents' fees and players' fees and whatever have been taken out of it, minimum. And to be honest, I actually think they should maybe just say, "Well, John Stones was fifty million quid." So and John Stones is rubbish as well. Like, let's well, not rubbish, but like he's nowhere near the player that Van Dijk is. Absolutely not in that market. Also, these clubs have got ridiculous. Like the 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 top top clubs, the clubs are going to afford to buy this guy. Have got ridiculous amounts of money. Say, I mean, I I guess the the biggest issue with Virgil Van Dijk is right. Say, I believe that that guy, when he leaves Southampton, which I think probably is inevitable, it should be for Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich. I agree. And or like Juventus, yeah, Juventus, yeah, you've just won the sixth year in a row. He can't anywhere else, it, it, it anywhere, or, or Chelsea. I would say Chelsea, because yeah. I think Chelsea are genuine, can be a genuine European force. I do believe anything else. Um, he uh, he's underselling he's himself. Under, he's underselling himself. I yeah. really believe that he's that good. Yeah, oh, it's interesting. So I was on the um, this uh, Manchester radio show on Wednesday night before the the Manchester United game, and they they called me up to ask me what. And they asked me lots of questions. They also asked me about Virgil van Dijk. And I told them, you know, with no disrespect, he's better than Manchester United. He's better than Liverpool. He's better than but Manchester United right now, absolutely. Say, maybe his agent will think, well, actually, if I got him playing for Manchester United, got him playing for Liverpool, then he's in Euro- in European Cup football. What is he, 25? Yeah. I mean, maybe... I think he might stay around a bit longer. We've got an incredibly long contract for him. He has spent the entire last half of the season injured. Maybe he wants to build up again. I think he will stay. Like I know, yeah. I've kind of. I do believe. I think he's going to stay. Um, I think the reason why he signs a six-year contract is because they know he's going to stay, and I think there's probably some sort of gentleman's agreement. Yeah. Which is like, give us two years. Yeah. We'll sell you with four years left of your contract. Yeah. You're probably the highest-paid player at the club right now. Um, give us another year, so we've got one more year of this. He's going to leave for a ridiculous sum of money. He's still got his entire career. Yeah. I, th- I think there's some sort of gentleman's agreement, yeah. I'd you, like to think. You, you think there's something going on there? Um, well, so then I don't think he can win our award as most likely player to leave then. No, I think you're right. You know who I'm going to be most upset about? Who I think is going to be leaving? You said already. J-Rod. Yeah. It looks like he's going. Or he's a good man as is well. Is it going to be between J-Rod and Claude Puel? Do yeah. you think if Puel goes first and a new manager comes in, J-Rod might be like, I'm going to hang around a bit longer. Or Shane or, Long. Or well, the problem you... is, like, have we got, you've got arguably four strikers there yeah. that feel they should be playing. But the thing is, they all could be playing. If you started with two strikers, you could have four strikers fighting for position, coming in and out of the side. They'd all get their chances... Yeah, I th- but I, th- I think with like a Shane Long, I think Shane Long probably thinks at his age he should be starting. Yeah. If you look at um, like teams that are coming into the Premier League next year, have got a lot of money. You can almost imagine like a Shane Long being like, "What is he now?" I bet he's probably what, like twenty nine. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not sure of his age. I mean, did we pay fourteen million pounds? We paid for million? like we'd probably get the money back. Mm. Um, you know, he he. I think you could see him go. Yeah. I w- I would hate to see Rodriguez go. Um, but ultimately, like, can I see Rodriguez getting in that team ahead of Gabbiadini and Charlie Austin? I, I can't. Like, w- you can criticize, and I will. Gabbiadini's like body language and his kind of work rate. Does he score goals? Well, everything we've seen suggests he does. Charlie Austin, 
if he stays fit, will score goals. Yeah. Rodriguez, for a lot of time this season, hasn't looked like a goal scorer. It's interesting, though, because if you look at this goals per minutes played, Charlie Austin is first with 134 minutes per goal. So that's one every one and a half games. Yeah, more. Well, no. Yeah, it's bang on. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, one and a half games. Yeah, yeah, so no, yeah that's about right. Games, yeah. yeah. Gabbiadini, one every 136 minutes. Oof. It's a pretty close run thing. Jay Rodriguez is next, one, one every 181 minutes of play. See, that's fascinating, isn't it? One goal every two Premier League games for Jay yeah. Rodriguez this season. So if he had to follow that through for the season, so, 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 yeah, let's say you start every game. He's nearly 20 goals. Yeah, but is he ever going to be fair enough to start 20? I don't know. I think I think that it would be a shame to see Jay Rodriguez go, but I do wonder if someone like Jay Rodriguez, if he went back to Burnley, you know, Burnley who are definitely going to be in the Premier League, and let's face it, the quality of the teams that have come up this season look pretty dire. Um, you imagine that he's going to be playing... Do you reckon Newcastle... Or he could go to like a Newcastle. Newcastle, Bournemouth, coming uh, not Bournemouth, Brighton coming up, and then I think whoever I, wins out of Sheffield Wednesday. No, um, just, oh god, it's it? Huddersfield, Huddersfield, and someone else. Reading, Reading. Yeah, I mean they're both relegation cat cat food, aren't they? Uh, I I, th- I think you, I think if you're Jay Rodriguez, I would go back to Burnley. Yeah, he'll get games. They play they play football the right way, I, and I think he'll get goals. I think he'll get 10 goals a season if he plays yeah. 30 games. I think, I think he might get 15. Stats don't lie. Yeah. That's what Shakira said. Um, so, who are we going to give this award to? Who's who's going to be out of the door this summer? And who's going to have, like, who's going to be the most profound exit of the summer? If you want my honest opinion, he's going to be the manager. Claude Puel. Yeah. I feel sorry. I... I I don't know if I do feel sorry for him. Like I always start to say, I feel so, and then I get to like the second R in the word sorry, and then my heart sort of goes, no, you don't. Maybe Katrina Lieber. Yeah, I've serious reservations about selling Saints to Chinese. Yeah. Uh, that's not I mean, racist. That's just, I just don't know if you can trust their money. I I would be very, very upset. I think you you look at what's happened under Saints since the Lieber family came became involved yep they're part of our identity as well yeah I I think you could argue that every season including this one okay so I understand that our team has not been as exciting to watch has not been as threatening as uh, as last season's one but if you look at in terms of achievement we've probably achieved more this season okay we haven't qualified for Europe but we have been to a cup final and we have finished eighth which is respectable they've played a hell of a lot of games Mm. they really have um, Man United are moaning about it, but we've, you know, the, the, we've played a lot of games. Um, so, Claude well, you're going to win that award for the the yeah, player slash just, manager most likely to leave in the I, summer. I just can't. I think like Les Reed had a chance, didn't he? Yeah. He was given an open goal to sort of say, or Kruger, to say, he's our man. Yeah, he's going to. He's stay. bought into the project. We know that things have been frustrating for the fans at times this season, but. It's important to remember we've also had some great times. Um, and he didn't do that. And he didn't do it. And, you know, he has people like me mm. do my job to tell him what, if he wants to say something, how he should say it. And he didn't do it. And yeah. that suggests that he didn't ask someone that because they know. I, I think he's, I think he's lost the dressing room a little bit. Yeah, um, and we know player power is so important. I think he doesn't seem to have support of the board. He doesn't seem to have support of the fans. I'm not sure. Really, now what it seems to be is someone waiting to apply the coup de gras. Next one. Most respect from the Saints FC podcast this season. Who are we giving our kudos to? I would go. You I mean, I know we've spoken about him before, but like the guy that. I think because he will admit he's obviously a very he's intelligent astute yeah. man he will know that he wasn't flavour of the month yeah you know you know what I mean he would have known that he'd have known like he can hear the gasps he can hear the moans yeah. he can hear the sort of like oh yeah the murmurs in the crowd when it's Yoshida yeah when his name was announced before yeah. this run of games um, 
but he stood there and he has done it and I have a huge amount of respect for him um, and the way he's conducted himself and the way he's he's behaved as a as a you know as a Saints player so that's my view what, about, what would you say I agree wholeheartedly um, I looked at that and I just thought that's got Yoshida written all over it yeah. and I, I feel like he deserves two awards most improved player and most respect from the Saints FC podcast yeah I, I think that in a in a season where many players have over promised yeah. and under delivered I think you have to give it to Yoshida and then to Stevens and say he's been one of those players that's under promised and, and over massively over delivered yeah. You know, yeah. and, that, and that's all you can ask of these people. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And it, you know what? He looks like he cares. Yeah. Like, he does. And, and that means a lot to the fans. Also, I mean, he just behaves and conducts himself in a manner that um, is, you know, I, I much, much more readily throw my toys out of the pram, behave badly, lose my head in any sort of situation. And my Ishida is the kind of person that, that you would... He looks like the kind of guy that you would absolutely love to to be alongside in the team. You know, someone yeah. who who works hard, takes responsibility, and seems like a really, really genuine guy. Yeah, I've got a huge amount of of time, and um, I, you know, it's great to be proved wrong. Yeah, it's a really good job we're not doing these awards with a game like the following week because yeah. you just know at this point you would just go and like you know do an awful pass back and and cock it all up. Um, so the last one that I've thought of is fan of the season, but I think we already covered the fans, didn't we, with with the Middlesbrough one. So I think, should we just ditch this? There's, there's not really any special um, fan, is there? I don't know. I've, I've got huge amounts of respect for people who um, who go week in, week out, mm. and the way I, I do. I think at a time when it's so frustrating, they turn up and, you know... They're entitled to have a moan. It's their yeah. money. It's entertainment. It's it, you know, it's meant to be entertaining. And if they're not being entertained, they're allowed to have a moan. Could, could we change fan of the season to fans of the season and say anyone who's already renewed their season ticket? Yeah. But I think, you know, you made a very good point, uh, John, we spoke the other day about how um, they were still trying to sell games for the Sto- tickets for the Stoke game. Yeah. I think you could probably walk up and buy a ticket for the Stoke or, you know, certainly buy it on the day. When was the last time you could do that for a home game on the last game of the season for Saints? Um, not for a long time. Not for a long time. So, yeah, anyone who has, has renewed their season ticket and shown faith, I yeah. think, is good. But, you know, that's the great thing about football, isn't it? It, it renews. And we will go through some change this season this close but let's, season you know let's face it what else would you do on a Saturday afternoon yeah. or a Sunday afternoon well it's going to be Saturday we're going to be playing on Saturdays again for yeah. the first half of next season but you know it's it's such a wonderful thing and we, it's yeah. given we've moaned about it but I've had some amazing times this season you know we've, we've had some good games I've been with my dad it's been brilliant I wouldn't yeah. change those moments I wouldn't I wouldn't like change but you know we'll be there next season. I, I yeah. think, and and the people that listen to this podcast, you listen to this podcast because you're big Southampton fans, and you'll be there next season. And managers come, managers go, players come, players go, team lives. That's yeah. the most important thing. So, I think we should probably wrap it all up there. What What would you give the season? Like, let's let's have the Tom Parker final thoughts on Saints season. Moments of elation. Seeing the seeing the guys go out at, at San Siro, uh, seeing the the winner at Anfield, uh, the pride of of the performance, you know, no, the, the the performance I think is the right word to use at Wembley. Those are brilliant moments, um, and I think that I'm hardwired to be an optimist. I think they'll be back. I think they'll be stronger. There have been disappointing moments, of course, there have been, but there's a lot to be. There's a lot to be proud of, and I, I think we'll be all right. Yeah, I, d- I think we'll look back on this season in the grand history of Southampton quite fondly because I think the highlights will stick out much more, you know, when you look back on this season than the time that Claude Puel subbed one striker off for another striker. Yeah. Um, 
we'll forget about those moments and, and we'll remember that last minute winner in the second leg at Anfield making Klopp miserable yeah you know going going and beating Inter Milan at St Mary's that will forever be on Southampton's record yep and, and giving done. them a good game at their yeah. place and um, I think probably I mean entertainment wise this season has should have been more entertaining but um, there's been a few really really good moments and you know as a Saints fan you'll just kind of continue to follow them and yeah, you don't follow them because it's easy. No, I mean, and we have been incredibly spoiled. I yeah. mean, I would say from League One minus ten points every season since then has been really exciting. Yeah, it's been a roller coaster. We've had a Wembley final with Johnson's Paints Trophy and a win, followed by promotion, followed by promotion, followed by the excitement of being back in the Premier League, followed by the exciting football of Pochettino's first season. And then his second season, just seeing us improve. Two brilliant seasons under Koeman. And then this season, we've played in Europe. We've got to Wembley. a cup final. We've been to Wembley again. Um, I mean, what a few years that has been. And and all under the Lieber family. And I, I for one, hope that Katrina stays involved. They stay as the ownership and, and that... I also kind of hope that Les Reed pulls out one of those kind of like magic moves and let's let's go for someone who I've never heard of from Europe but turns out to be as good as Pochettino. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a there's still a lot to be positive about. Yeah. So let's let's you know, let's kick on. Yeah. And um I think, you know, probably have we come to the conclusion that maybe we're probably not gonna see Puel next season. I'd be amazed. I just think he's lost. He seems to have lost the three segments which yeah. you need to survive. It's like Jenga, you know, he's got nothing left to stand on. So for me, what, what are the three segments? Fans, the board, and the players. Yeah. Um, so in that case, I think at this point we should probably say thank you. I think there's a lot of fans out there that would be kind of quite surprised. I think he has played some pretty awful turgid football, yeah. but ultimately, we have had some highlights this season. He's conducted himself professionally. With dignity. With dignity. And, and grace, I think, yeah. absolutely. Um, and I think if he was in any other job, he'd probably have a pretty good shout at the uh, unfair dismissal tribunal afterwards. Yeah. I think um, he's going to probably look at this and then other foreign managers will look... No, they won't because no one in football ever does this, but they should look at this and go, English football is mad. Mm. And who do these people think they are? And I don't need this crap. Um, but yeah, I think the writing is on the wall for Puel. And, um, well, you know what? I think this summer, obviously, there's, there's not going to be many Saints FC podcasts. I've got a couple of interviews. You've um, got some good interviews, actually. Yeah, we, we've got, um, you know, do keep kind of your eyes peeled for that because I've got Ken Moncal coming up. with was a really, really good interview with him. Really good bloke. And I, I think, you know, maybe once a manager or once some significant transfers happen, maybe we should just hook up. I do have a pre-season preview. In the summer, yeah. you know, preview the season. And, um, you know... We'll be back then. So, I mean, stick with us, Saints FC fans. We'll have a couple more episodes of uh, Saints FC Legends. Um, but I think, you know, we can hold our heads high and, and we could probably look forward to next season being... I mean, I, I just don't know what's going to happen next season, but we'll, we'll get to that. That's the beauty of it. That That is why we keep coming back. Anyway, enjoy the summer, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs>